But one thing I know for sure is that Lindor is a pro. He's played a lot of baseball his whole life. He's got great hands, a great bat. He'll be all right to go. The Browns traded for Odell Cornelius Beckham Jr. Let's go. This is a joke. Young men expressing themselves. I guarantee you Benny Snell will be a great running back in the NFL. I'm not going down to anyone's basement. Piss me off, Harry. <laughs> Splooge. And welcome to a special edition, opening day edition of the Muni Lot Drunkard, CB and Zach here. Zach from the phone, we're having some logistical issues with the studio, so we're going to be doing this over the phone tonight. Um, Zach, first off, don't even want to get started on all the crazy stuff happening with the tribe right now. I just want to get your opinion. How are you feeling right now that we are essentially days away from the season starting? You know, I'm honestly just, I'm happy that it's here and I'm just, I'm just along for the ride at this point because I, I really don't know what to think of this, especially uh, just with recent things that our, our great owner has said. So I, I really don't even know what to make of it at this point. So I'm just, you know, just along for the ride. I mean, at, at this point, you're already going into our opening discussion, which I love. And uh, honestly, it has been the hot topic. We're recording this on a Monday night. This article from Meisel came out today, this morning, and it has been the hot button topic. You're having national people. You're having Ken Rosenthal. Anthony Castro Vance, all of these guys talking about this. This is a big topic. No, it's absolutely huge. And honestly, it's just like, it's just so befuddling and frustrating because just going, just jumping right into the direct quote sure. from, uh, from Dolan. Um, so when he was asked by Zach Meisel, when, uh, when we can expect the Indians to be making a $300 million deal, his direct quote, you don't know. Probably the day we'll do a deal like that is when somebody else is doing $1 billion deals with somebody else. Are you kidding me? Here's the thing. Like, I, I'll give the, First off, I'll, I'll give Meisel credit. He did a very good job in per- portraying this article. And he did what a lot of us in journalism school are taught to do, is take the gaslighting quotes and use them as the focus. I will say some of what Dolan said could be... Co- technically taken out of context by just reading. I've, I have access to The Athletic, so I can see everything that he said. Some things he did take out of context. So when we're talking about uh, offering that and somebody else is offering $1 billion deals, he's talking about this landscape of, you know, the first question was, is do you ever envision seeing offering someone 10 years, 300 mil? And he started off the quote by saying, honestly, I didn't even see us creating a deal like we did for Encarnacion. So what he's talking about is he's pretty much, and I'm not making excuses for him, but he's he's making this argument that as a low market team, you're slowly making your way to that point. But as you make that point, the high market teams have already just boosted their numbers. And it's kind of an argument that he's making is that, you know, they're really, they're frustrated because they want to keep guys that they have tied up. But the, the market is driving their value through the roof. Now, with whatever information you would take away from that, go ahead. But I, I just feel like that part of the quote I felt like was taken a little bit out of context. But even at the same time, it still does not excuse the issue at hand. Right. And, like, <clears throat> my biggest thing is, too, because Meisel's follow-up question, of course, was what all Indian, Indians fans are thinking is with, okay, what do you tell Indians fans about uh, Francisco Lindor when his contract's up in a few years? Enjoy him is the direct quote. So you're telling me, it's, so basically he just laid his hand out right there and saying that, yeah, enjoy him now because he's not going to be there after his contract's out. Now, do I believe he kind of intended it like that? Yes. Does the quote actually say it like that? No, not really. I mean, the quote, the full quote says, is we control him for three more years. Enjoy him and let's see what happens. So on the forefront, if you read the whole entire quote, a, a completely deaf-minded person would think, oh, you know, maybe there's some optimism there. We'll see what happens. But in someone in our fans' perspective, as an Indians fan, we know that's just a for, that's foreshadowing of he's gone. Like, in one way or another, he will not be on this team by the end of that third year, whether it's a trade or whether he's uh, – or if he makes it to the end of that third year, he's off in, in free agency and he goes to a different team. I, I, There's two different sides of this article where I, I'm just kind of, I'm questioning how to take my stance on it because a lot of the quote got taken out of context, but at the same time, 
if you know and you're inside the head and you've seen the moves that the Dolan family has made ever since they bought this team, it lines up exactly what we're assuming, though. Right, right. And then just also going further on uh, through the article, um, it also just kind of plays into – it lets you see into the mind of Dolan a little bit here, which is also just – again, it frustrates me as a fan who just – I mean, we're we're dying for a championship here. We've been on the cusp for a few years now where we have the talent and it just hasn't clicked. So another quote from Dolan. On balance, I would say that if you can put together a, a team together that has a good chance at getting to the playoffs every year as opposed to being the absolute prohibitive favorite, I would take the former. Now this is the part that gets me. I would take my chances with getting to the playoffs as often as possible and see what happens at that point. So you're just saying that you're content with just making the playoffs and then, oh, we'll just see what happens and just kind of luck into it. Because it's a, that, money, it's a money grab. That's what this yeah. is for these owners. It's their toy. It's not – they don't give a damn. I mean, let's put I – mean, there's very few owners that actually do. Right, right. And it's just, it's just so frustrating because, like, this is playing into Dolan – like, our division is playing into Dolan so perfectly because he doesn't have to spend money, and we can still make the playoffs, so we can still then say that we're trying. So it plays into his hand perfectly. And like I said, we, we saw what this – what a good – like, we had a talented team last year. But it also – last year in the postseason, it showed how far away we actually are from being very competitive with the, uh, with the top guys in the entire league. Sure. We are so far. And I think if you ask anyone and look at our lineup this year compared to past years, this is a worse team. So you mean to tell me that this worst team I should have more hope for than, than to expect us to get swept like we did last year? No, I obviously you're not having more. I mean, logically, you're not having more hope. If anything, you're like, are we even going to win the division at this point? And that's not even factoring into all the injuries you have right now, which we're going to touch on later. But here's here's one of the things where I think he played himself in this whole conversation. So, so Dolan said he isn't bothered by the fact we can't chase high end free agents, but he added that where it's painful is where you have one of your own that you can't keep because the market for them is set by larger markets. He then pointed to the Padres' addition of Manny Machado on a 10-year, $300 million contract. The Padres ranked 24th in the league in payroll, five spots behind the Indians per spot track. But when Machado's salary balloons to $32 million next year instead of the $12 million that's on this year, that could change. That's all in dandy, but there's a reason why the Padres were 24th. You want to know why? Because they're one of the top five smallest markets in the MLB. They're smaller than Cleveland. San Diego is a smaller market than Cleveland. Their attendance is horrendous. And they just went and made the ballsy move. And you're somehow trying to compare that to yourself. It's apples to oranges. Right. And it's just like I'm just very intrigued. And honestly, now at this point, I'm, I'm rooting for the Padres. Like, I could care less about Machado. I'm rooting for the Padres in a few years just to show that okay, yeah, a smaller market team can go sign a big guy and be successful. Just to prove Dolan wrong. Like, that's where I'm at with this. Like, as I said, and I think I've stated in previous uh, previous podcasts, that I'm not the uh, biggest fan of Manny Machado. But, I mean, I, I would not mind seeing them succeed. Like, I always pull for the smaller market teams just because I like to see the, the smaller guy have success. And then, obviously, uh, just in hopes that, okay, maybe the Indians will do that one day. And here we are with this owner that – he, he just says that, yeah, we're not going to do that. And I just don't know if we can be successful. I mean, it'll be interesting to see how this year plays out because we have so many – we have wild cards uh, that we don't know exactly how things are going to turn out. And plus, we don't know how exactly the Twins or even the White Sox are going to do this year because they're also relying on a couple a couple of unknowns and seeing how they can compete with the Indians. Right. So I'm just really intrigued to kind of see how this whole season plays out. Here's the stretch of the – Later, in the, It feels like later in this interview he got, the more he started tripling over himself. So he said, more often than not, we lose money, but we've made money in some years. Okay, well, that's how a business works, right? I, am I, I, I haven't been in the business world that long, but I come to know you've had some up years and you've had some down years. Am I wrong? I mean, I, I don't. Uh, it raises the question, though. Why own a team that tends to lose money, especially during the team's peak performance years is what Meisel pro- 
set the question to him. He said, from a financial perspective, we've seen an asset grow and a considerable value. But the opportunity is well beyond that. We have an opportunity to engage the community in ways you can't find in any other way. That's such BS. That's not why you're in it. You just mentioned it. Your asset is growing because you're lying. Right. Yeah. No, it, if you weren't actually making money or you didn't see a larger payoff, you wouldn't be involved in this. Why would you? Why would you stay with the sinking ship? Zach, the, Forbes values the team at one billion right now. It's more than triple than what the Dolans paid for in two thousand. That's it's absolutely ridiculous, and then it just makes everything Dolan say absolutely ludicrous. It's it's BS. Like it's the money in the the money does not lie, and the money is sitting there, and the value is sitting there, and the assets speak for themselves. Sell the team. Like, it's as easy as that. Like, I, you know, I, I tried to read through most of this, skimming through most of it. It's just, man, he's just, he's so dense. Like, he, he's such a dense person. It's hard to even reason with him. Well, I think my favorite part is, too, though, he, uh, how he says that it's an opportunity to engage in the community in ways that you can't in any other way. How are you engaging in the community, Dolan? I... Have you ever seen him like... Absolutely not. Exactly. He's not out there doing anything. Like, it's one thing like, if you have, like, a charity fundraiser, this and that. I have not seen him do anything publicly, and it's been 20 years. It's 2019, and I can't believe I'm about to say this, but I wish so bad that Dan Gilbert would just open his bank account and go buy the team from him. I, I'm at that point. Dan Gilbert well, Dan will actually put a damn into this team. Yes, because Dan Gilbert wants to win a championship. Right. That's the difference is that you got these different owners' mentalities across sports. And baseball, we've talked about this in the past. We, the Marlins aren't even hiding it. They're advertising that they don't, that, you know, the on-field play is great and all, but we're trying to improve the fan experience, the stadium experience. That's what matters, right? Like, it's stuff like that. That just drives yep. fans up the yep. wall. They don't give a damn about that. They just want to win. Right. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll deal with a, with a rickety seat, and I'll deal with, like, subpar stadium conditions if it means that I can go see a winner. Like, I, to me, nothing else is more important than what is going on on, on the field. I, it's just... I don't know. Like, especially, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I just said so many hot takes are popping into my head with this, but it's honestly like he doesn't feel, and it's going to be crazy to people outside of Cleveland fandom, but it's like Dolan to me reminds me of a, just, a, just a step below of how Anthony Precourt handled his time in Columbus. Now, Precourt just completely ignored everything in Columbus and tried to pretty much deteriorate the team and tried to make it bad so that he could move them out. Dolan obviously isn't doing that, but he's just comfortable doing whatever makes him happy. And obviously, that's not, the forefront is not winning. No, not at all. No, he's just more concerned with he, – he's just content with what we have been the last two years. Well, honestly, even 2016, like the fact that we even made it to Game 7 of the World Series is beyond me. Like how we got there is just that, – that's what made 2016 so special. And then just the last two years, like, he's fine with us just going to the playoffs and then, oh, no, we lost in five to the Yankees. Oh, no, we got swept by the Astros. Oh, we'll be back this year just because our division's terrible. I, I mean, he's also flexing on the part that in 2016 our payroll was $96 million. Projected in 2019 it's supposed to be seven one seventeen. 17 That's great, but you also realize that how many of these guys you had on arbitration and pre-arb where they were making chump change. It's like he's he's taking facts and just twisting them in the way that makes his position feel more important and and more correct in his opinion. Right. And like he's hoping that lightning will strike twice. Because okay, in that postseason in twenty sixteen, Josh Tomlin, who just got cut by the Brewers <laughs> yeah. before he even made it into opening day, cut by the Brewers out of the organization. Josh Tomlin was an amazing starter in the postseason. Absolutely amazing. He outdueled the NL uh, Cy Young winner in uh, Hendrick, Kyle Hendricks. Yes. And it's just, he's 
just crossing his fingers and hoping that, oh, if we make it to the postseason, then maybe something will click. It's just like, no, that's not how you can run an organization at all. I mean, isn't it scary to think about that he was even hesitant? I mean, granted, I guess it can depend on the player like Encarnacion. It could be risky because he's a DH-heavy guy. But he was, I mean, he was surprised that even a three-year, $60 million deal was even a possibility. Are you kidding me? Uh, Are you kidding me? Three years, sixty million. Like, yeah. I I don't know because then he comes back and then offers Jason Kittness a value of almost twenty million a year. Like, if you're gonna spend money, at least spend it smartly. I don't, I don't know. It's like he want his he'll make a move like that for Kittness and then say, "What else do you want me to do? I just gave you so and so." Like, no, just because you spent money irresponsibly doesn't mean you're doing the right thing for the organization. Right, right. And it's just like we saw this, whatever it was, like eight, ten years ago with, uh, with like, Nick Swisher. Like, yeah, we spent a lot of money on him. It didn't work out, but it's just like, well, what what do you want us as the fans to think? I'm sorry that you didn't do your – like, Grant, I was excited as anyone when we got Nick Swisher. So just like – Oh, we actually went out and got a big name contract. Surprising, but like, obviously it didn't work out. So it's just like I want, and I don't know if that honestly comes from just scouting or or what exactly. But it's just like obviously something was not right with that, and the fact that we just spent all that money on Swisher and then we were able to get out of it. But well, hey, you know, no, remember now that we made the playoffs with Swisher. I think we made the uh, wild card game where Salazar. Unfortunately, choked it away, but um, you know, no, no, we, no, we were making playoffs. That's what matters. Remember, that's what Dolan wants is just make playoffs, 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 playoffs. It doesn't matter how far you go, but just make the playoffs. Uh, <laughs> yeah, this this article came out just in time to get me really excited for the for opening day. It sucks. I I mean, just put it how it is. It sucks. Like. Because it's the inevitable. The problem, the problem with all of this is, is we know it's the inevitable, and yet they're just wanting to shove it down our throats. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's and, the- it's just, and like, okay, they're so concerned with, or at least Dolan, you said he's so concerned with extending the window. How about we do what we can to just go get one? I don't care what the what the fallout's going to be in five years from now. If we're a 100-loss team in five years, but we win a World Series, that's enough for me. And I think I speak for most fans when I say that. Because, I mean, Kansas City, they're now they are a terrible team. But they won a World Series. So I think their fans are okay with that trade-off. Yeah, I mean, I can't speak for every fan. I know San Diego, or not San Diego, San, the, the Giants fans, they won what, like every other year for the past how many years? A while back, and they're now they're upset because they're in the cellar for the past how many years? But no, I, well, I, then I then they are ungrateful. I, I I no, trust me, I agree. I mean, you're talking about the same fan base that roots for the Warriors, so don't worry about that. Uh, uh, no, I mean we could say Dolan's being consistent. I mean he's being consistent in the way that he just wants to get the playoffs. He doesn't care. Let's extend the window. I mean, yay. Congrats. I mean, we get to play baseball in October, but if I'm sitting there expecting a three-game sweep and going home, I mean, what's the point? Well, and honestly, too, because he even referred to this in the in his interview. He said, well, honestly, we didn't make any money out of them making the playoffs and getting swept because it all went to the player's share. So if we would have extended a little bit more, then maybe we could have made some more money. Well, wouldn't that be an incentive to you to play longer in the postseason? than just trying to make it and therefore you can get more money so you can stop saying how poor you are as the team that you own is rated a billion dollars? It's this never-ending cycle with this team and especially with management now how it's built. This is how they're going to do it. They don't make a lot of moves in the offseason. That's just notorious. Then when it it gets close to the trade deadline and they're in the hunt, that's when they'll make some type of move and they'll say, hey, look at us. You can't blame us. Show up the games, man. We, We got this guy. You know, we got injured Josh Donaldson, come to the stands, man. Come watch us play. Oh, we're slumping? No big deal. We're all right. Like, it's it's the same never-ending cycle with this front office. They do the same thing over and over. It's the definition of insanity. Doing the same thing over and over, knowing damn well it's going to result in the same sad ending. Yep. 
Well, get excited, though, because we're hosting the 2019 All-Star Game. <laughs> hey, now he can't lie and say he's not making money this year because how in the world are you not making money with the All-Star Game in town? Yeah, honestly. Yeah, it's, I don't know. Like, for me personally, like, I honestly don't care about the All-Star Game. Like, I'm sure it's good for the city that they're hosting, but, like, as a, just a fan of the organization, like, Hosting the All-Star Game means nothing to me. It means absolutely nothing. Especially when in an organization that feels so down like it is. Consider this. We're a contending team for a division title, and we feel like absolute dog poo. Yeah. Like, we, we don't <laughs> – like, we feel like we're in last place. Well, it's because we are in last place when you well, narrow it down to the teams that are actually going to make the playoffs. Very true. I mean <laughs> – we would have finished, what, fourth in the AL East last year, so what's that tell you? Yeah, honestly, I, and I know I've said this before, we were the sixth best team. So if you just take the top five, top five teams with based off a of record last year, we are out of the playoffs. Yeah, you would have slot us with uh, Tampa Bay, I believe. Yes, yes, Tampa Bay that is doing their experiment with one starting pitcher. And they, they had a better win-loss than them. I just the excuses that we use though as in terms of the front office it just it doesn't reflect how other front offices are operating. I go back to what we're talking about with San Diego. I mentioned that their attendance and their market is about as small as it gets. Yet they're making the moves to go and get their fan base excited. How do you put butts in seats? You win and you acquire talent. You don't sit around mope around saying you're not making money and you're not putting asses in chairs. And magically, people are just going to start showing up. That's not how this works. There's a reason why we had, what, 433 straight sellouts or something like that. It's because we had the talent in the 90s, and we kept it for a long period of time and kept it at a high level. Not take discounts, not discount our outfield, not discount our depth, and not discount our bullpen. Yep. And honestly, like, uh, going back to episode two with uh, with Dabo, Pittsburgh correspondent, because uh, last year there's a movement in Pittsburgh to boycott. And honestly, I wouldn't really be surprised if something similar happened uh, happened in Cleveland, whether or not it's calculated by the fan base or not. But just the, with what's going on with the Browns, like the Indians are now second, they're second tier now. Sure. Which is so hard to believe after what's been going on the last two years that there's just such a quick reversal in that, but I, they are. Yeah. I don't, I don't expect that at least this year, maybe when we're getting towards, I don't know. It, it really could hinge on when does Lindor leave the team. Um, mm-hmm. If he makes it all three years, it'd probably be the year or so following after that or after they trade him, and people are just like, what the hell? They're just, they're selling, they're done. They waited this long to either decide are they going or are they not. Because we had that tiny window where it was in, then you moved into this window where you're kind of one foot in, one foot out, and you're not making an executive decision on which way to go, and you're wasting the prime of star athletes. Oh, did I mention that Jose Ramirez is on a team-friendly deal, might I add? Yeah. (sighs) Yeah, this is... Like I said, this this article is just putting you in a in a great mindset going into opening day. Oh, and this takes the cake. So I I saw maybe it was a week or so ago. Ken Rosenthal brought back up uh, from the Athletic. He brought back up that the when we were playing the Padres, that the Padres renego or reinstalled talks about trading for a starting pitcher with us. I mean, not only would you just completely screw up the season, you waited until almost a week off to restart negotiations on trading a starting pitcher? I don't know how far along or if they're still doing it, but the fact that you're even entertaining it at this point is asinine. You should have decided that either months ago in the offseason and got the deal done or said, that's it, no more talks, we're going to, into the season with this team. At that point, if they somehow made a deal and got back into talks with San Diego and eventually made the deal and made it within opening day or first couple of weeks into the season, that is a big middle finger to the fan base. No, 100%. Like, it's also, too, the thing about the players, like, that's not fair because I'm assuming the pitchers talked about that are Kluber and Bauer. It has to be. So, I mean, it's not even fair to them 
at this point. Cause it's just like, yeah, it's one thing to make a move in the middle of the winter. It's just like, okay, you, you have time to reacclimate yourself, go find housing, move your families. Well, Bauer doesn't have a family, but <laughs> Kluber would have, would I have think, time. To I move think Kluber them. still has residents out there because we he, we got them from we got Kluber from the Padres. Okay. He and could. I, I don't Bauer, know for sure. I don't know if he still has housing out there, but that's besides the point. Continue. And, uh, and obviously, Bauer would have to find a place to house his drones and everything. But right. I mean, it's just at this point, it's just it's absolutely pointless. And as you said, it's just asinine to think about the fact that even like I hope that this is just a rumor and there's no truth to this because that's just absolutely ridiculous at this point to consider making a, a blockbuster trade at this point. I don't know how blockbuster it would be, but and I mean you're taking one of your top guys off your roster and shipping them off within the within opening day is around the corner. Like if this is all hypothetical, but I I mean Rosenthal's a pretty damn good journalist that I respect and believe that you know if he got that tip, it started back up again. I believe it 100% from him. He's pretty on point with that stuff. Um, I don't believe it's gonna happen. I don't think the that dumb. But then again, this whole conversation we're having tonight, I would not be surprised in the slightest. No, not at all. Not at all. Well, I mean, oh, this is actually breaking news, dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Not necessarily news news, but it's it's something. I just got it across my MLB at bat uh, app here. So it says, Indian skipper Terry Francona says, Jose Ramirez could be ready for opening day on Thursday. So we'll use this point to segue into our second half of the topic today. Zach, hearing that and the potential we could have had missing, while I don't like to include, and I've gotten on that train, including Jason Kittness in that power three of guys starting in the infield, you still have to count them. You could have been without three guys on opening day on the injured list. And we could have Jose Ramirez for opening day, which is crazy to think about as of yesterday. Yeah, because there were thoughts of, okay, did he break something? How long is that going to be? To now him being able to play five days later, obviously, is very good news. Um, The article on uh, Cleveland.com is just saying more or less the same thing that you said, that uh, he shows improvement, could be ready for the opener. Uh, Tito said that he's doing really well. He went out and took some ground balls today, and he'll join us for the workout on Wednesday in Minnesota. And then uh, Tito then said, uh, when asked if he would be ready for opening day, he said, I hope so. We tried to get out ahead of it. And if he went out and was on the field today, it's a pretty good indicator that he's doing all right. So that that reassures me that, okay, at least we'll have one of our one of our core guys. It's Monday night. I would like to see him do some type of jogging or running tomorrow, maybe even Wednesday, to feel confident mm-hmm. in that. And even then, I mean – Let's be honest. I'm not going to overreact to it because uh, it could have been a lot worse. Let's just put it at that. It could have been a hell of a lot worse. And the fact that he's even in discussion of playing on Thursday is icing on the cake right now. Um, I want to get some audio into this right now. So we have some cuts uh, within the last day or so from Terry Francona and uh, Corey Kluber, even a little bit of Brad Miller, who they just acquired. Uh, they signed him on a minor or major league deal, one-year deal. He was hitting 358, I believe, with the Dodgers. Pretty good in, infield depth. Yeah, and then uh, with that move too, then that uh, that then forced Cleveland to put um, Salazar into the 60-day DL then to make room for him on the on the roster. Which honestly wasn't really any, that wasn't surprising. It didn't sound like Salazar. While he's made strides, he wasn't anywhere near ready to go. So well, right. Before we talked about, too, like there was hopes that maybe he'd get back on the mound before the All-Star break. So, obviously, the 60-day DL is nothing, nothing new, and that's not surprising whatsoever. Oh, no, yeah, 60 days is perfectly fine. I mean, like you said, if it's not even closer to uh, the All-Star break, that's, I mean, that's perfect amount of time. Um, let's go ahead and get some sound here. This is Corey Kluber talking about the high hopes of the Tribe this season. We expect to win. I think that's the goal here. You know, nothing different than that. Um, just like every other year, I think spring's been good in the sense that you know we kind of developed that identity as a team, and that continues to evolve throughout the course of the year. 
but yeah, I mean, I think that you know, going into the year, the, the expectations are no, no different than they usually are. You know what I love about him is he's such a he takes such a business approach, and I mean, you can't disagree with whatever he said there. But at the end of the day, as much as we rain on the parade of just how this team and this offseason's been. It's nice to know that we have a guy in the cornerstone. While he's had some signs of declining at times, this guy's a leader in the clubhouse. Right, yeah, and that's, well, as you say, it's reassuring and to have that kind of veteran leadership because he's been through it all with the Indians. Like, he was there when we weren't so good. He was with us through the playoffs in 2016. So he's been through the ups and downs. So more than eight, like I'm, like, I'm a big supporter of Kluber the person. And then it's just as as you pointed to, like his uh, his decline that he started to reach, and hopefully he'll have a kind of a resurgence this year. Um, but I just I, I really do like the guy. It's just I hope that he can kind of turn it around here and uh, kind of flip the switch back to what he was um, a few years ago. And another guy we got to keep an eye on because honestly he's flying under the radar in terms of the fans, but. I mean, you might have one of the best fifth, fifth guys in your lineup in terms of the pitching rotation and Shane Bieber. This is what Corey Kluber had to say on Bieber keeping up with making progress. I think that he made a lot of strides when he got called up last year, and he's, he's continued to. I think, you know, he's he's handled everything that's been thrown at him so far, you know, extremely well. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and you know, I think that he, like the rest of us, you know, I think he has that, that drive to want to continue to improve and, and find ways to get better and, and help the team. I mean, can you name a better fifth starter in your rotation? I, I don't no, know if I could. No. No, not at all. I mean, Shane Bieber, I feel like he'd be a uh, a solid 3-4 guy in most rotations. So the fact that we have him down at five, like that's just that's just a testament to how good our rotation is right now. Yeah, I I just I'm encouraged from what I've seen from him in the uh, so far during the spring. So far, he's had a really good spring. Um, I also want to dive into this topic from Terry Francona talking about the. His pretty much his assessment of how spring training's gone. I know you've been having issues listening to this audio, so let me know at the end if you've heard it. This has been probably the most unsettled. You know, we've been late because of injuries, and, and plus we had a lot of stuff going on, a lot of turnover anyway. But I think everybody's got their at bats. I don't see any pitchers dragging. You know, we're leaving here together, which what I thought was important. Uh, no, I think we're in a pretty good spot. Did you catch that? Yes, I did. <laughs> All right. So, what did you have to take away from what Fran kind of said? Uh, I mean, honestly, like I, I mean, Tito's saying the right thing here. Um, I mean, he's not saying anything wrong, uh, except with our rotation and everything. Like, I, I'm very happy with uh, with the way things are going. And, um, I mean, obviously, I, you can't expect your starting rotation to just be absolutely lights out, especially in spring training. And that's honestly uh, – well, I mean, it's the preseason, obviously. Right. Um, but although I don't – you probably didn't see this because you've, uh, you've been in the studio all day. But uh, Carrasco today, he did take a uh, comebacker again. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he he was able to uh, rotate and then got hit on the rear end and he was laughing about it afterwards. But I don't what what is with Cookie and his ability to get hit by comebackers? I <laughs> that's a great question. I don't know. Maybe he's, the boss is attracted to him. But I mean, this team cannot afford things like that this year. Like this, that's the last thing. I, I guess Plutko would be an okay fill in, but at the same time, you obviously don't want to lose one of your top three guys like that. No, not at all. Like I was, uh, I was thinking this earlier. It's just like it's not like uh, Carrasco's a like CC or Bartolo Colon type uh, body figure out there. Like he's a he's a skinny guy. So like, I, I just the odds that he's been hit so many times over the last few years, like it's just befuddling to me. Like it's kind of like uh, I mean I know it's a little bit different as a hitter. You can kind of uh, play into it, but like the way Dyer would always get hit by 
hit by pitches and everything. It's just, I mean, some of it is, I don't know if it's just the way that Krask is just releasing the ball that he's not in the best position, but like, that's just unlucky. I th- yeah. I, I, honestly, I think it's just all about un- being unlucky. Honestly. Um, one thing I wanted to touch on real quick, and it's maybe it's a positive to look at it like this because of how bad it was last year at the start of the season, but your opening day bullpen. So for Bandy Bell at MLB.com, she has it listed as Brad Hand, Oliver Perez, Adam Simber, Dan Otero, John Edwards, Neil Ramirez, Tyler Olson. Is it crazy to think that sounds a lot better than what we had last year with guys like Evan Marshall, Matt Belial, all those names that you could e- – Scrabble, for God's sakes. Ah, uh, Scrabble. I mean, no, it, it definitely sounds a lot better. And obviously that was uh, a big thorn in the Indian side last year was just the bullpen. And then especially with, uh, like, Andrew Miller not being his normal self and uh, Cody Allen also not being his normal self. So, I mean, it's it, on paper and to the ear, it does sound a lot better. But, I mean, it's just ultimately going to come down to how do they actually do. Because, I mean, we've seen – uh, you said Neil Ramirez, correct? Yes, Neil Ramirez is in that group, yes. Okay, so Neil Ramirez, he'd have some outings where he would be absolutely lights out, and yep. then there'd be other outings where he just gets absolutely shelled. Yeah, I was about to say the exact same thing. It's all about, in terms of his 2019, it's all about consistency. That's what I need to see out of him. Right, and it's just like, honestly, I don't, I don't know if we're actually going to get to that point or if it's just going to be kind of like a rotating door in the bullpen like it was last year. It could be. Yeah, no, no, no. I, I totally agree. That could be the case. I have optimism for Ramirez. He's he's shown that he has the ability to do it. Um, also, Tyler Olson. I think he needs to get back to his old self and what he was in 2017. I mean, there was games in 2017 where, I, I believe correct, he gave up no earned runs for most of the year until like the very end of the year, right? Yes, yeah, you're correct. Yeah, I mean, you're talking about a left-handed arm, which is very valuable in your pen. If he can get back to that level, he fought a lot of injuries last year, which was unfortunate, and which caused him, when he did get back into situations and pitching, he was, quite honestly, wasn't back in the groove and had some mishaps on the field. But if he can get up and get to a high quality, I mean, you're talking about a prime lefty that you can put at the back of your pen in prime-time situations. If he can get back to 2017 Tyler Olson. Mm-hmm. And then also too, like I just I love the idea that we can have another uh, OT uh, or OD OT uh, situation. <laughs> yeah, that... I just I, I I absolutely love that as a fan. Like just just knowing that we could be capable of uh, recreating the same mistakes that we did last year too. Oh my God, that would be that would be hilarious. But at the same time, I want to cry myself to sleep. Um, Dan Otero. I, I don't know what to make of him. I mean, what we know is he's going to give up contact, but he's a ground ball pitcher. That's He's in there to try to turn double plays and get fly ball hitters to hit into the ground. That's what he is. That's what we know he's supposed to do. He had issues with that last year. What are we expecting in terms of his importance level in this bullpen? I mean, he he definitely needs to uh, step up. Like, he's had a, he, a pretty decent spring, and, like, one of my favorite statistics for uh, – for relievers is their whip walks walks and hits per innings pitched and he's had a good spring it's at uh 0.45 so i mean it's that's encouraging that's really encouraging it really is so like hopefully he can kind of keep that going into into the season uh but no he definitely needs to kind of be he needs to take that next step into being a um one of our second tier slash top tier relief pitchers that we can count on in big situations one of these, I guess I'll just call him the wild card of this bullpen, is this John Edwards, the former field player that turned into a, a pitcher to save his career. What are we supposed to expect from this guy? Because honestly, I'm going to be honest, I watch and try to follow a lot of spring training, and I don't really know a whole lot about this guy. Yeah, no, I, I honestly don't know, uh, don't know a whole lot either, but uh, his whip's not too bad either. It's .78, so, I mean, that's, giving up a hit for every, what, third inning pitch? Right. I'd like to see his splits. Maybe is is he going to be – and we know Tito loves to do this. Is he a type of matchup guy? Is he a Perez type of pitcher? 
Yeah, I mean, he, he might be. He's uh, he's pitched in 10 games for a total of nine innings. He's given up five hits. And, that sounds uh, exactly like what Tito loves to do. Oh, my God. <laughs> and he also does have 10 strikeouts. So he's averaging over uh, one strikeout per inning pitch, too. So, I mean, I okay. definitely feel like he's more of a, uh, a matchup kind of guy as opposed to a uh, quantity relief pitcher. Some guys on the outside looking in. Uh, were you surprised that Alex Wilson was let go? Uh, I mean, I, I wasn't totally, uh, totally surprised by that. Um, I mean, his, like I said, like, I like to look at whip, but I mean, you also can't ignore his ERA. His ERA this spring has been, uh, over two, uh, which is, I mean, it's, it's okay, but obviously it's never, uh, never good to see your, your relief pitchers above like 1.5 and especially like two. I don't like to see that either. So. Sure. And it's all about volume. I mean, maybe they just didn't see something they like or, I don't know, in the limited time he got in spring training because it felt like, you know, it was just a revolving door of pitchers in spring training. Um, you know? I mean, that's... Yeah, you got to make the most happened. of your opportunities. Right. And it's just like, you're going to... we That was the game plan all along because, I mean, that, what else do you expect when you bring in 34, 35 pitchers into spring training? Like, you're not going to – you're just going to have to make the most of the opportunities that you're given because, like, you – as a pitcher, you know that. And honestly, that some pitchers may crumble under that kind of pressure knowing that, okay, yeah, it's spring training, but I'm also pitching for my – for a position on the roster right now. So, I mean, it, it may be a little unfair, but at this point, like, from the organization's perspective, you can't really do anything else. Like, we're just trying to throw as many guys out there and see uh, see what sticks. Two more things on the bullpen real quick. So we have Tyler Clippert. He got injured late in the spring training. Um, was technically released from his contract, but they're looking to try to bring him back when he's healthy. Anything to that? Is there anything intriguing about bringing him back and maybe putting him on the roster? I mean, honestly, it's just going to be like with most things. It's just going to kind of be, okay, once uh, once he's able to rehabilitate, it's just going to be a, a matter of, okay, where are we at? Because if we had, if our guys are just going lights out, then it's just like, sorry for your luck that you got hurt, but it is what it is. Or if we have a need, then I'm 100% okay with trying all options. Because being uh, being granted that we're in the worst division in baseball, we kind of have a slow start and have it not really affect too too many things as far as the season goes. But obviously, we need to plug all holes when we uh, when we can and when we start to see a leak. So, I mean, I I'm okay with. I'm okay with trying all options in order to try and try and stop the bleeding. And then Which last, is- oh, I'm sorry. Last but not least, um, on the bullpen situation, I personally was a little surprised Adam Plutko wasn't in this group. I thought he did really well at the pen when they expanded rosters back to the four, uh, forty man back in uh, September. Why? First off, do you do you really understand the move? And if not. Do you think it's more they just see him as a future starter? I mean, it has to be that because looking at his, spr- at his spring stats, his ERA was over nine. Yeah, that is a little well, concerning. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's it's different in spring because you don't you only have so many games. So, and you'll see it a lot, a lot of times too. Like starters that you know that are stars, but they don't necessarily start the game. Um, so I mean, I with Plutko specifically, like I'm okay with like keeping him as if you want to keep him as a starter for future use down the road. Because uh, the only uh, uh, he has a record of one and one, uh, and he only started. Well, he, he did start four games, so that actually is more uh, more concerning than I than I thought. Of the five games he played, and he only started four. And well, uh, have his ERA. In terms of starts, really isn't the issue in spring training. It's the innings and the pitch count. Right, and he, he only pitched thirteen point one innings. See, that's a little concerning. Yeah, that he was able. So obviously, so he gave up. Do a little, uh, little quick math here. So he gave up. Let's see, earned runs. He gave up fourteen earned runs and thirteen point one innings pitched. Oh my. Yeah. Oh wow! I didn't even realize that. Um, well, that then that kind of changes my focus on it. So, he's a guy. I believe he'll be entering a. It'll be his last option year, if the 
Indians and Francona determined to use him. Do you feel like they should use that wisely and maybe turn him into a reliever because of how this the starting rotation is looking? Or do they have to groom him into a starting pitcher with the outlook of, you know, Kluber might be gone soon and Bauer might be gone soon? Uh, well, I I mean, Bauer will be gone soon. I think that goes without saying. Sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm just putting, you know what I'm doing. Yeah, I know. I know what you're doing, but like once Bauer's contract's up, he he's gone. So I mean, I sure. I don't. You can you. I feel like there's not really a wrong answer with this. And honestly, too, you can try and keep him as a starter, and then see how he does at the AAA level. And then, like, if things are still not looking clear, then I try him at the try him out of the bullpen and see how he see how he reacts to that. Because I mean, even in a couple years. Say worst case scenario, we Kluber and Bauer are gone. So then you're left with Cookie, Clevenger, and Shane Bieber. So now it's just a matter of okay, will Plucko be more useful as a fourth starter, or do you be more useful as a bullpen? And it's just a matter of you have to try them out. So I mean, I I wouldn't mind seeing them at the AAA level, kind of play a little bit of both roles, and just kind of see if he's comfortable in the bullpen. Or if he's not comfortable in the bullpen, then okay, keep him as a starter and then make him your fourth guy in a few years down the road once we lose Bauer and uh, Kluber. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Um, To kind of wrap up this podcast today, I want just let's give our outlooks on how we see the beginning of the season starting, what we're excited for, and what are we cautiously optimistic? What, like, what are we specifically looking for early on to set the tone for this team in 2019? Well, my general overall outlook, I see the Indians as a... So I think the over-under on their wins was, what, 92? Uh, it's been moving. I saw it start at 90.5. It probably moved up to about 92. Okay, I'm, I would take the under on that. I'd expect the Indians to have around 90 wins this year. Uh, with a lot of that just being from in the division and being in such a weak division. Sure. Uh, one thing I am excited about, and this is just dipping down in the AAA level, I want to see Mercado absolutely rip the cover off the ball with Columbus. And I want him to force Tito to have to make a decision with the outfield because I have fallen in love with Mercado over the over the spring just with the fact that he was hitting 400. Uh at the point in time when he was let go, or not let go, sent down to AAA. So I'm honestly very excited for him. And um, honestly, as, as I said before, this is the year of Kip. He's going to come off of this uh, come off of this DL stint, and he's just going to come ripping the cover off the ball. He's going to be like a, an all-star. <laughs> oh, I did not expect you to hear you say that today. Uh, you know me. I, I'm always optimistic. So like I said, it, it, it is the year of Kipness. I love it. Um, personally, me, I'm excited to see what this Brad Miller guy brings to the team. Uh, I, I, like I said, he batted around 358 with the Dodgers. Uh, decided to come to the Indians over sticking with the Dodgers, I believe, on a minor league deal. We signed him on a major league deal. So it shows that he's interested to see what he can bring to the table with this team. I'm interested to see if... You said, hopefully, Jason Kittness comes back and rips the cover off the ball. I'm saying, hoping Brad Miller pushes him for that second base spot. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't see where that competition is never a bad thing in sports. So, I mean, I feel like maybe that maybe that has been Kittness's issue besides injuries in the past. Like, maybe having a little bit of competition, having someone breathing down your neck, you, maybe you'll be more uh, more inclined to play a little bit harder. And not to speak to Kipnis's character or anything, sure. saying that he's not playing hard, but I mean, it, when you have someone gunning for your job, like obviously you're gonna you're gonna hopefully have a little edge to you and uh, come out firing on all cylinders. Yeah, I never, you know, I, I, I never thought he was like ever threatened by Gonzalez ever. No, not at all. Which, and I, I don't know if this is just me uh, going back to uh, Tito's boys. And uh, having <laughs> having his players, but like I like I said, I don't I don't know what goes on goes on behind closed doors, and if Kipnis and Tito have been having conversations about it, but I mean, 
with uh, with Gonzalez, he is the uh, starting shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. So I'm kind of intrigued to see him. And then obviously, too, I'm really intrigued to see what Yandy Diaz is doing down in Tampa Bay this year. Oh, I feel so bad for those Pirates fans, man. Oh, that's uh, that's rough. <laughs> um, it's, well, I mean, I, I'm rooting for him just, uh, sure. just the same way. Like like this past year, I was I was definitely pulling for Jesus Aguilar with uh, with the Brewers. No, like, I just because I, with the Indians, like I'm, I'm still pulling for for all those guys just because I like I you kind of come to know a player when he's through your organization. You kind of track him a little bit, and then if he goes to another organization, you still want to see him do well, as long as it's not a competing franchise. No, I definitely agree with that. I, I generally hope he does well there. I just hope Brad Miller brings more of an edge to the utility spot on this team because I don't feel like a he pushed those guys in the infield hard enough and B when they had to fill in for or whenever we needed to fill in for any three of those guys on the infield I didn't really feel like the level of play was sustained and obviously you're not going to play as well as a Lindor or a Ramirez it's just that's why you're the backup honestly but just not as much of a drop-off I felt like especially in the field there was a huge drop-off with Eric he would be lazy in the field a lot of his errors became was because of his laziness when he was fielding um Hopefully he can bring that to this team. I'm really excited to see who he brings. I'm also excited, like you said, is we've both been on that train for Oscar Mercado all spring training long. I'm interested to see, you know, does he get a call up and when? I think it's more of a when, not an if with him, because I think he's that talented and he's shown already that he's quite honestly deserves it. I just think that Tito and the team are afraid to expose him to the major leagues so fast, rattle his confidence. And honestly, it could shape his whole season into a way that it shouldn't be. Uh, but with that, yeah, yeah, no, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, like, but at the same time, okay, if he's down AAA, if our outfielders at the major league level are playing well enough that we can't call him up, then that, obviously, that's a good, it's a win-win situation there. Sure, absolutely. Because that, honestly, at that point, you're implying that Jordan Luplo is hitting a lot better than what we've seen. And he actually has, recent in recent spring training games, he's been hitting pretty well. Yeah, yeah, no, he has uh, he has turned it on uh, as of late. So I, I think last week saw a couple different times got updates from spring training that he hit a home run here, home run there, double there. So, I mean, yeah, it's, I don't know, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like I'm just, I'm just along for the ride. I'm just here to see where it takes us exactly because I honestly have no idea. Because, I mean, we could be we could be second place and absolutely terrible. We could just come out with a new fire. And that's another thing, too, that I was thinking about earlier. It's just like, okay, this, this Indian team might be a dangerous Indian team because in 2017, after the Game 7 World Series loss, we had so many expectations. And then when things didn't go well, we lost in the game five of the ALDS. Then those expectations then got carried over into last year. Whereas I feel like this year, like there's not a whole lot of expect. Like the only expectation is that you make the playoffs. But as far as postseason is concerned, there are no expectations of this team. That's so a really kind of yeah. No, that's a, that's a really good point. Um, I personally just looking at the roster. I think we also need that the conversation that Tito and the, the management has spoken to Hanley saying pretty much he's got a spot unless if they need to go acquire somebody new. Now, I don't know if this Brad Miller deal pushes him out of the team right now, but what what are we expecting of how this roster is going to look? Like, are they going to carry an extra outfielder in terms of like maybe a Greg Allen along with Kit or Naquin, Leonis Martin, and Jordan Luplo, or you know, do they take the flexibility of a Bowers and keep a guy like Henley, uh, Ramirez and see if he can DH? I mean, I for me personally, I feel like Greg Allen is, at this point in time, just based off his spring and then just kind of off of last year too, uh, I feel like Greg Allen is head and shoulders above Naquin. And, like, I know it's like a center field versus right field kind of situation, but... At the same point, outfield is outfield. You I see a fly he, ball, you catch a fly ball. How how and then how can you hit the ball? I think and he I could play like right. Have, Honestly, I think he could play right field. I think he'd be fine. Yeah, exactly. And like, obviously, I mean, Tyler Aikman, as you saw with the inside of the park line, he's got speed. Greg Allen is a he's a small little guy. He's got speed. 
So, I mean, I feel like it's to a point like, yeah, you kind of you have your position in the outfield, but if you need to move from center to right or to left, like all it is is just reading a fly ball and getting under it and catching it. Like it's the out, all the outfield positions are so similar. Like they're they're closer to each other than say like shortstop and second base. I would say, in my opinion, if I'm picking between the two in terms of how my roster is going to be made up, I'm probably letting Hanley Ramirez go, and I'm taking Greg Allen because I see a lot more in terms of what I can utilize him for. Obviously, like you said, I feel like I could play him at all the outfield spots, and I also know he's he's a speed demon. He's got that speed factor with him. I I already said if he played every day, I would be confident he's swiping at least twenty bags. So he brings that X factor to his game that I think could outweigh what Hanley Ramirez has done. While he's hit very, very well, and it surprised me in spring training so far, I mean, he's making he's making the hits when it needs to come. But Greg Allen's offering a lot more to me that I know I can trust, and he's proven it on the major league level. Like, we sometimes forget it, but like you said, he was hitting over 250, 260 last year in his time that he played. So he is pretty serviceable when he plays. Yeah, yeah, no, one hundred percent. And it's just like just looking long term too. We've got um, trying to look up real quick here how long we have Greg Allen, but obviously it's it's more than just this year. Whereas Hanley Ramirez was just a one year deal. Am I correct? Uh, Hanley's not. I think he's still in a minor league deal. Okay, so even more so. Like I, like I, I think you have more to gain, and it's kind of. Long-term speaking, like, I feel like it's a less risky move to go with Greg Allen, which I think is important because Greg Allen's going to be more the face of the – well, not necessarily the face of the franchise. He's more of an everyday player to this franchise than Hanley Ramirez will be, say, in like two, three years. So, yeah, if you if you had to tell me to choose between Hanley Ramirez and uh, Greg Allen, I'm 100% choosing Greg Allen. And it's funny because if if Tito really has his way, he tends to go with – the experienced veteran with the, that he can trust. So, like, history says he would pick Hanley Ramirez in this position. If he does pick Greg Allen, I think that's kind of telling how not only he's changing his perspective, but maybe the front office is really changing his perspective. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, 100%. It's just like, I mean, we were, I think we did a podcast like the day after we signed Hanley Ramirez. And like, we were excited, but at the same time, it's a, it's a very cautious optimism with it because you just, you don't, you don't know exactly what you're getting with, uh, when you bring in like a veteran guy, whereas like Greg Allen is a, he's a homegrown guy. So like, we more or less know what we're going to, what to expect from him. And honestly, he, he has definitely grown so much as a as a player over the last couple of years. So I and he's had a really good spring too. So I I definitely want to see him uh, see him take it into the regular season here. Well, we adapted to the logistics tonight. We were able to get a recording in magically before uh, opening day. Like you said in the message, uh, as of this recording at midnight, the show comes live for all you fans on PlayStation. Um, I know I'll probably have a late night playing on that. Um, just last but not least, just covering our bases here. Uh, I'm excited. I'm cautiously excited. I'm cautiously optimistic is the best way to put it. Um, but I've also had people asking for opinions left and right. And then out of nowhere, actually, Saturday, I got a message from our Pittsburgh correspondent, Dabo, asking, hey, uh, are we doing a fantasy league this year? I'm like, I would love to tell you, but I can't get confirmation from anybody on if we're doing it or not. So it's like I got a shell of a league created. We can do the draft by like Thursday night. But I I, I mean, Bundy barely responds to our texts these days. So I'll try to put something together. But I know that's also another aspect is if you're into it and it helps you stay into the game of baseball, fantasy baseball is a very good outlet. Yeah, no, I agree, and I was just asked by my uh, by my boss today if I'd be interested. So, of course, I responded yes, so I'll probably be uh, relying on you to help me with a little, uh, depending on when the draft is, I'll probably uh, ask on your opinions on uh, on some players and everything, too. Oh, yeah, no, definitely. That's uh, It's a very different strategy. It's not like real baseball, obviously. It's fantasy baseball, but there's there's a lot of different ways to go on the avenue of it. Um, But that's our show. We appreciate everybody listening to this very – grainy sounding audio because we have Zach on the phone of course but we made it work any last words from you 
Uh, we'll try, then uh, we'll see. I think the uh, the Browns are going to be playing the Patriots week one Sunday night, so go Browns. Odds are on our side, man. I'll tell you what. All right. For Zach, this is CB. Thank you for listening. We'll try to be back next week, and hopefully Bundy joins us. <laughs>